introduction of Rialero, the archipelago of exiles this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by kirk ziegler lake placid florida rialero the archipelago of exiles by godfrey swevin the mysterious shot dead for a ducat dead roared psalm as he shouldered his gun and rushed to the beach nothing had come within reach of shot all afternoon till in the thickening twilight a flash of broad wings in the distance awakened our camp a wounded albatross shouted both my companions as they peered through the shuttling gray of the evening and watched the south wind still wild with the force of storm shepherd some baffled creature of wings up towards our nestling place some still stranger bird i thought as we seized our guns and ran to the edge of the cliff the sudden descent of night checked further question and as the winged thing gleamed along the face of the precipice three shots echoed across the sound and in a lull of the fitful gusts we heard a dull plunge in the water far below it seemed but a few minutes till we met psalm in the rocky hollow that was the harbour for our boat he had rowed out and back and was leaning over some dark object that lay in the stern not a sign of feather or anything that gleamed was there about it it was the form of a human being apparently dead we bore it up through the bush with the tender care that diggers are wont to give to the corpse of a comrade our burden was so light that we expected to look upon a thin emaciated body but as we laid it in the flicker of our hut fire we were amazed to see the rounded form and ruddy cheeks of the dead stranger we stripped him of his wrapping a strange muslin-like transparent toga and searched for the gunshot wound except for one broad bruise there was no mark on the body and then it began to dawn upon us that this had nothing to do with the flashing wings or our shots that we were guiltless of human blood it was a case of drowning but not yet dead and we set to work to draw the clogging water from his heart and lungs slowly the breath began to come and the blood to circulate the bosom heaved and we felt ourselves in the presence of another and a stranger human soul what he was whence he came whirled through our minds in silence faint and in need of rest he manifestly was we poured some stimulant down his throat and laid him on one of our rude beds of manuka and fern we saw him fall into a deep and healthy sleep and don was already threatening the east with flickering light when we went into the open and drew a long sweet breath we consulted together over the strange occurrence and determined to search the fjord for traces of the winged thing that flashed out at our shots before we had gone far we found a pair of huge fans that had drifted into one of the frequent channels amongst the rocks they were not of feathers but of some strong transparent and almost weightless material that did not wilt in the sun or the wet we lifted them and there hung by them dragging in the water filmy strings like the long tentacles of a medusa we cut them adrift 
and bore the strange wing-like floats up to our cliff each of them seemed to move on a pivot with ease and almost rose on the gentle breeze into which the storm had now died after full examination of them we laid them far back in the cavern which we used as our storehouse and larder and thought no more about them we cooked and ate our morning meal and then spread out over the bush that overlooked the waters of the sound forgetful of the stranger whom we had left in one of our huts we were in search of gold and having found faint traces of it on the small fan-like beaches that intervaled the sheer precipices on our side we had been prospecting several months for the alluvial pocket or the reef from which the glittering specks had wandered down the following week we were rewarded with success but as we have no desire to have our noble solitude disturbed by the noise of a frenzied gambling crowd we are but woodmen and sealers and photographers to the outside world when it intrudes in the shape of tourists i shall not mention at present the name of the new zealand fjord in which we live i was working up a watercourse panning the sand and dirt that lay in the crevices and occasional levels at times startled by a weka that impudently slid through the underground and eyed me close at hand or by the harsh call of the ken as it flew from some resting-place and circled in the air rudely awakened from my absorption i looked out on the marvellous scene that lay at my feet precipice towered over precipice often forest-clad from base to summit almost sheer below me slept the waters of the sound landlocked as if it were a lake only the indignant cry of the kea or the weakest raucous whistle or the echo of a distant avalanche ever broke the silence of this solitary land never did it cease to throw its shadow on my thoughts or stir their sense of beauty or their sadness absorbed in contemplation of its sublimity i sat for a moment on a rock that rose out of the bush i almost leapt from it startled a voice unheralded fell like a falling star through the soundless air i had heard no footstep no snap of trodden twig or rustle of reluctant branch my senses were so thrilled with the sound that its purport shot past them there at the base of the rock stood the strangest figure that ever met my eyes it was the sea trove we had left sleeping in the hut a small well-knit frame like that of a north country englishman but folded through it was the slender gauzy garment we had unwound from it the night before i felt conscious of a radiance that seemed to rid it of its opaque substantiality it was if it lit from within the face was luminous and clear like the star limpid waters of the fjord at night my eyes were drawn to search the depths yet the veil of flesh and blood still hid all but the aurora-like flashings of thought and feeling that swept in and out across the features there was the play of some strong inward tumult the revival i soon found of long-dead memories i sat dumb as a stone too much moved to break the silence too much awed by the face to know what to say it seems that my face too with its weather-beaten vigor of northern life had stirred the nature of the stranger to its depths 
a long-forgotten existence had surged up in him from the darkness of the past and he was recovering it feature by feature i have often watched the conflict of cloud and wind of light and gloom across the torn azure of night's infinity before the coming of a tempest but the sight did not approach in intense magnetism the dizzy chase of shadow and gleam across this singular countenance at last the turmoil had passed its crisis the memories had fallen into array and in slow but passionate northern english strangely shot with silvery rhythm i was asked what country this was and whether i was not an englishman my palsy of speech vanished and the familiar words uttered though they were in new accents led me back into the common world of question and answer i found it was the briton of a generation ago he knew before the colonies of the pacific had focused her new spirit of enterprise or transmuted their golden dreams he remembered the mining fever of australia but it was news that it had smitten new zealand too as i spoke with him he seemed to be dragging his language out of the depths of sleep his words and recognition of my meaning came half reluctantly and through them wove fitfully hints and after gleams of some intervening existence that had reached a higher plane than that of his youth the ethereal ring would come into his voice the translucent look into his face and then vanish before the touch of those lower terrene reminiscences yet even amidst them there would appear at times a tremulous appeal of human pathos as our words approached the memories of his childhood they sounded from his lips like the funeral bells of a village folded in mist the grosser humanity that seemed to come back to him from a buried past grew shadowed and mournful with piteous thoughts there sighed out of his lost youth a winter wind that sounded through the crevices of ruined cities and over uncounted graves it took weeks for us to reach more familiar intercourse and this alternation of a common and ethereal humanity in him continued to break the magnetism that often seemed about to bind us we came from the same district of the north although he evaded all questions as to the locality and i came to know by instinct the topics to avoid with him he would listen by the hour to stories and descriptions of the dales and hills but he never permitted a reference that would fix his native place or time one serious difficulty at first was his refusal of all our ordinary food he would not touch the flesh of animal in any form and we had to give up to him all our meal and flour and lentils but as we saw him at times grow faint we introduced some of our animal soups into his food for he refused all food that needed the use of teeth the singular change seemed to come over him from this time he began to grow more like our muscular carnal humanity and his moods of limpid ethereality were rarer and briefer thereafter he seemed to lower himself more to our plane of thought and life though even then he rose long flights above us why he stayed with rough miners like us so long when he might have shone in the most brilliant circles of europe was a mystery but it became clear at a later stage he worked with me and had a marvellous power of revealing the secrets of the rocks and the crust of the earth 
like the fabulous divining rod he knew what metal lay below and how far we should have to seek for it and ten thousand times over he repaid all that his living cost we offered him his share of our partnership but our proposal was ever smiled aside as if it came from children in some childish play he seemed to look years beyond our point of view how deep the debt we owed him when we think of all he taught us beside it all else sinks into nothingness and there is no way in which we can vent our gratitude to him but by telling his story to other men as he told it to us we could have spent all our days as well as all our nights in listening to him but it was only now and then he fell into the mood of reminiscence and so great a value did we attach to his every word that after each conversation or monologue we retired into our storehouse cave and wrote it down we did our best to give his own language and form but memory is treacherous and we felt at each attempt that we had marred the beauty of nobleness of his utterances by phrases of our own or by the tings of our personalities he followed no sequence of time or circumstance for he spoke as his own spirit or our themes moved him but out of our rough jottings we have pieced together the following narrative most of it our representation at the moment of his speech some of it from distant memory of incidental talks with him in the bush when we were far from paper or pen it is as close an approach to his very words as our love and reverence have been able to achieve godfrey Swevin, theodore Somme, christian Trom. End of Introduction